Today's episode of Blast Burn Radio is brought to you by listeners like Cameron Rossington, Nancy Bott, Patrick Miller, and other listeners just like you over at patreon.com slash challenge accepted media. If you enjoy Blast Burn Radio or our other products, you can begin supporting the show and start earning exclusive rewards for as little as a dollar a month today. Thank you. You are now listening to Blast Burn Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blast Burn Radio. I am your host, Jolly by Nature, and with me, as always, are our ascendant friends, our legendary hero co-hosts, Celeste and Messer Engine. Uh, thanks for joining me today, guys. How's it going? Well, you know, Christmas came late. And by that, I mean you, the series is done. It's the finale. I'm about as happy as, as I've ever been during this series, you guys. I've changed my outlook on late Christmas. regular christmas still the poop late christmas liking it an awful lot krampus brought a big grumpy present for our boy mess and everyone can't get over that i just said that is dead silence on the podcast regardless of what jolly does in editing uh well i'm it's been a it's been a Crazy busy week, but I'm doing good. I did some uh, work towards getting a house this weekend, so now it's just finding houses to go get look at and hopefully put an offer on one once we find one that we like. Well, that's super duper exciting, Celeste. I'm I'm happy for you. I am getting dumped on with a whole lot of snow, which is real, real confusing and unfortunate in equal measure. It's confusing because it was supposed to stop snowing by 4 p.m. this afternoon. It started snowing about 4 p.m. this afternoon. I have no fucking idea when it's going to end or how much snow we're going to get. We'll find out together. Stay tuned. Yeah. I also started watching My Hero Academia today. Like, for the first time, I'm way behind on that particular vote. And I have feelings and opinions. I don't know why there's a literal bird and also a diaper baby in the class of my sweet, sweet boy Deku. <laughs> I really need to watch that. I've seen, the, like, the first couple episodes, and that's it. It's a really, really good show. And there's quite a bit up now with the new season coming later this year. So... You'll have something to look forward to when you get to the end. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I just. What's what's up with that bird, though? <laughs> it's a happy bird boy or girl. I fucking never change anime. Never change. <laughs> All right, guys. So we've been in the middle of a bit of a news drought, but we got something of a reprieve this week. There's actually some some things to talk about. Uh, so what's going on? Let's find out in this week's Pokemon news. Do, 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 do. Here is the Poke News. The Poke News. 
So, quick reminder, guys, that we do have an active giveaway going on right now. It's going to be active for a long, long time, though. So, this is the last time that we're going to talk about it, at least until we get near to the end and we remind you to, you know, get up off your ass. This giveaway is for the five varieties of berry that were not previously available by any legitimate means in Pokemon Sun, Moon, Ultra Sun, and Ultra Moon, and the event will remain active through September 2nd. We're all able to obtain Enigma, Michael, those Michael berries. Uh, <laughs> fucking damn it, every week. <laughs> all you need to know is get those bad name berries. There's five of them. Yeah, there are five of them. You can get them by Wi-Fi mystery gift. You don't even have to put your dick away. Uh, just pick up your DS, get the thing, have the berries, be fruitful, and multiply. Ta-da! So we did see the announcement of the next Global Link tournament, uh, and registration is actually live right now. The tournament is real interesting. It is the Simple Symphony, and it has a, a super unique rule set. It only allows for Pokemon with a single type, so no dual type Pokemon. As is kind of per use for these types of tournaments, mythical Pokemon, several legendaries usually cover legendaries, and Mega Stones are all banned. Uh, the participation award for this tournament is actually less exciting, though. After several in a row that gave really dope, like, shiny awards, this one's giving away 50 BP. So that's not super great, but the rule set is fun, so that should be a really neat tournament to participate in. They're just reminding you that they care about you, and that you don't <laughs> have to Mantine Surf. They're giving you another option. Yep, yep, here, go buy a Megastone. Although Mantine Surfing would take less time for no, 50 BP. it's the worst. Not really, you literally only have to do one match. Oh, well, fair. <laughs> uh, registration runs through January 24th, and battles will be active from the 25th through the 27th, so get your battle on, everybody. Now, as always, Pokemon Go keeps chugging right along, even when everything else is at a near standstill. Messer Engine, what's going on right now in Pokemon Go? You know, I don't know why we call them events anymore. Like, if they're all the time, and they feel like all the time, because I'm here on this segment every other week, they're not events anymore. They're just everyday shit. But we got a bunch of them, whatever you want to call them. Let's kick it off with that January Totodile-centric Community Day. It's come and gone, but that wasn't all. We also got the announcement of the next Safari Zone event. This one is located in... Porto Alegre, Brazil, and is a free ticketed event. It's scheduled for uh, January 25th through January 27th and includes various Pokemon, including Relincanth, which isn't normally available in South America. So that's super neat. Even for those who can't attend the event, your good rockfish will be spawning all over South America for the duration and Psyduck will experience increased spawn rates worldwide. So get out and get your migraine ducks. Uh, we also got a special research event for Feebas, but, well, uh, it was today as of this recording, so it's well done and gone by the time you're listening to this. Sorry, guys. Hope you got out and got your ugly, ugly fish, and maybe it was even shiny, because that'd be super dope. Uh, and lastly, we got a new region-themed event, this time for Hoenn. This Hoenn event is live in Pokemon Go through January 29th, and it brings a variety of changes. Pokemon native to Hoenn are spawning in increased rates in the wild, with Zigzagoon and Talo spawning their shiny variants. This also brought the return of Groudon and Kyogre in 5-star raids, and they have a chance to be shiny as well. 
As part of the event, Niantic has released new outfits based off of our favorite stupid eco-terrorists, Team Aqua and Team Magma, in the cash shop. There's also an event-exclusive research focusing on Hoenn Pokemon, and Pokemon from Hoenn are appearing in 7-kilometer eggs. Lastly, and I mean real lastly this time because I feel like I've said that four times now, any shroomish evolved during the event will know grass not as Breloom. Well, thank you, Messer Engine. Uh, now that actually wasn't the end of our news segment this week. We did get another announcement. Uh, specifically, we got the announcement of a new and a very cool new set for the Pokemon trading card game. Releasing April 5th in North America, March 29th internationally. Not sure why we're a week behind. That's not super cool, Pokemon Company. Whatever. Uh, the Pokemon Company is releasing a miniature Pokemon TCG set featuring Pokemon in their Detective Pikachu movie art. This set will be available in three different box collections, uh, which feature the Detective Pikachu card, uh, the Charizard GX and Greninja GX cards, respectively, or in a collector's chest, which contains seven of the Detective Pikachu booster packs, two additional Pokemon TCG boosters, and other various collector's merchandise. Uh, I really like this move. I think this is one of the cooler merchandise promos that the Pokemon Company has released in recent years, and hopefully some of these cards are genuinely good and aren't just you know for a quick cash grab get that good money also again i love the art in the detective pikachu movie i think that it's really really cool and interesting and different fuck that greninja though that greninja just looks moist in all the wrong ways and i don't want to be its friend wouldn't it have to be if it's like a fucking amphibian but that's why greninja shouldn't look realistic Oh, man, my only regret is I'm not going to be able to go to the theater with you to see this, and you'll just be, like, sitting next to me being like, oh, God, Greninja. I'll put you on speakerphone and piss off the whole theater. The whole theater. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, this was, of course, the ninth and final week of the main journey of our Generation 5 Nuzlocke series. This week saw our challengers battle our rivals, delve quite possibly the most dangerous victory road that we've experienced to date. Uh, We leveled our teams, prepared our strategies, and ultimately challenged a deadly gauntlet of trainers, including the Elite Four of Unova and the leadership of Team Plasma, culminating in the deadly and perhaps psychotic Getsis. Now, as is our custom, Messer Engine did play first, so, Mess Buddy, how was your week in Nuzlocke gameplay this week? Oh, you know, it was just another week in Unova. Yeah. Seriously, though, what does that usually mean? That usually means it was a rival battle. I th- This part of our uh, gameplay was two weeks away back for me. I believe there was a rival fight, a Charon fight. Like, right before we went into Victory Road, uh, which was actually not that bad. This series, as much shit as I give Bianca, like, she was way more dangerous than Charon ever was. The real interesting thing about this week was the fact that Victory Road was, like, a, an actual mountain? Like, that you could slide down and shit, which was kind of neat and cool. The actual gates were thematic and cool, though, admittedly... Whoever fucking decided to put that little patch of ice for Bryson's fucking gym on the little victory road path can die in a fire. 
Like, why would you do that to me? Like, it's not a hard little ice puzzle to get through, but God, it didn't need to be there. You could They could have made it a straight shot. Yeah. I was like, why? Why would you do this? And I actually had to run out of that area a couple times over the course of the night. And that made me real, real shitty. Victory Road also was no, no fucking joke this time around. It was real scary. The trainers were really, really, really threatening. And it was not, was not real good. We got a Vullaby before we went in, which was super neat. We got our good dark vulture girl and just shoved her in the bank because we were like, we don't need you right now. I really wanted to get a Excadrill for PvP just because Jolly's Galvantula has been like just, Kepper's been wrecking shit. Let's just be honest. So I was like, gotta go do that. Here's the fun thing. Uh, I could guarantee that encounter by running around with a rappel on until I got a shaky ground and then pick it up. And it nearly killed my entire team. (laughs) It nearly killed my entire fucking team to the point where I had to throw my master ball at it before it did. That was the, the scariest moment. One of the scariest moments I've had the entire series. I was like, Fucking Rossetti's just going to murder me, which is funny because that's kind of, if you've ever played Animal Crossing, that's his thing. You reset the fucking game, he gets real mad at you. I was like, he's he's real pissed. Turns out he was a she. It was Ms. Rossetti. And she did join us. She was real good. We were real happy about that. We kind of hiked our way through Victory Road, going in and out places, sliding down the mountain, fighting trainers. The trainers were really deadly. There's one, which I think we'll probably all talk about tonight, which had a Quiver Dance Lilligan. And it also knew Teeter Dance. So it would start Quiver Dancing and you'd be like, I got to switch into something that can take care of this like ASAP. And then it would confuse you. I actually had brought my unaware bat specifically in case there was somebody with boosts in Victory Road. And it promptly got confused against that thing, even though it's a really great counter to it because it flies and can do a decent amount of damage and was real thick because I had trained it for the dragon dance gym, the dragon gym. It hit itself in the face three times and almost died and accomplished nothing. And it promptly went back in the bank after this fight was over for that exact reason. We got through that fight by the skin of our teeth. There was another dude I had to fight who had a bunch of fighting Pokemon and Conkeldur dropped rocks on sweet Ezlo, our sweet Swana, and killed him. And I was very, very sad. What's up with my favorite Pokemon dying to rock slide? If I have a flying mon, that is how it is going to die. To a critical hit rock slide, which was probably completely unnecessary it being a crit, because let's be honest, Swana's not real, real fat. I was feeling real bad about myself actually coming out of Victory Road. I was like, oh, I lost a boy and that wasn't real good. And like, I needed to just stay on point. Let's just say by the end of the week, I felt better about my Victory Road run for reasons not yet disclosed. So we had to uh, replace a spot on the squad before we went into the Elite Four and we had to do a bunch of training. Inevitably, we... We shook up the squad a little bit. We filled one slot with Mizrasetti, as mentioned, really needed a ground type. Steel has really great resistances, seemed like a, a real good choice. 
And then I needed to uh, switch out one more slot, and we decided to go with Yetta, our bear tick, our cub shoe at the time. Because here's the thing, you guys. I love bear tick. Bear tick is so cool. I love the design. It's a shitty Pokemon. But, god damn it, I love bear tick. I decided to take Yetta with us. It was neat. We did a bunch of EV training. We leveled everybody, killing odd nose while holding lucky eggs and crazy ass exp shares and got the squad up tight so we um who did we take in to the finale we took in fluffy b who's been great for us all series we took in dk because he has been absolutely fantastic we brought in the toadsworth because i mean he's our franchise that we got to bring him in and also he's got that good mustache those three made up like the core like, they were probably my favorite mod that I used regularly. And then we had Ms. Rossetti with us. We had Yetta with us, our good, good, good bear friend. And our final slot went to Slugger for reasons which will become quite apparent as we talk about the E4 and their, their composition. We had a very fighty squad and the E4 was going to be really challenging. We banned ourselves from research. This series, so we had no idea what they were sporting for coverage. Like, we knew what they had for Mon, but that was fucking it. And we also banned ourselves from being able to utilize the computer after the Elite Four were done, and we had to fight with uh, N and, and Getsis. So we could not replace a Mon that we lost in the E4 as per our normal finale rules, and that meant that we were going to have to face... Six really dangerous trainers and a legendary uh, without stopping, without resting, without replacements. We stocked up on full restores and we headed on in. Now, the trainers for the Elite Four, for those who are unfamiliar with Gen 5, are a psychic trainer, a dark trainer, a ghost trainer, and a fighting trainer. Which is honestly kind of an interesting set. Of choices there. We decided to deal with Caitlyn, the psychic trainer, first. We had Slugger, who is immune to psychic moves, who hits real hard and is real tanky. And for the most part, Caitlyn was a breeze. I'll talk a little more about this in our like series recap, but the Elite Four rooms, dope. Really cool. Though admittedly, I walked into the psychic room and went, wow, this is really nice. And then immediately ended up at the top of a platform where there was a girl sleeping in a bed and went, this has taken a very odd turn and I'm not sure I'm comfortable <laughs> with it. Um, but yeah, we, we dealt with Caitlin, no problem. Like her uh, reuniclus just got effed. Slugger just crunched it and it was done. The only thing that even remotely gave us pause was Sigilyph. I did not want to take an air slash to the face uh, on Slugger, and we had to lean into Toadsworth to take care of that. But everything else was A-okay, no problem, no real threat, that good dark immunity. So we packed up and went and did the dark type user Grimsley next, and I really wasn't sure what he was leading with, and it turns out he also leads with uh, Scrafty. So it was a Scrafty v. Scrafty mirror match. And that was the scariest thing about my fight with Grimsley because I did not want to get high jump kicked by this thing and have Slugger die. So we had to get kind of creative and swap people in and out. But we, for the most part, were able to 
punch our way through that setup, it was real spooky because he has a lie part and you're like laughing at me. I can hear you at home being like, ha ha, man's a lie part. Why the fuck do you care about that dumb cat? It's late game. Slugger was out and not super healthy, but I went, it's a lie part. Who the fuck cares? I'm going to punch it. A new aerial ace, you guys. It's a flying cat. And it, it very nearly killed Slugger and that was real scary, but it didn't, and Slugger punched it, and it fell over and went, I'm not immune to fists. And Grimsley was down and done, and it was good, and we were feeling pretty good about ourselves, and we are like, yeah, this is pretty good. This is nice, dark, kind of Dracula feel to Grimsley's room, which was kind of neat. And we headed off to do Chantal, Ghost Trainer. Chantal was probably the scariest of the four for me, for a lot of reasons. She leads with a Cafagragus. And Cafagrius is a pretty bulky boy. It can know Will-O-Wisp. It can know Toxic. There's just, there's a lot of danger there. We actually got through Cafagrius with Fluffy B, just leech seeding uh, and Giga Draining our way through. But she has a Chandelure. And Chandelure is like really, really dangerous because it's really fast and it does a shit ton of damage with special attacks and it's got stab shadow ball and fire blast. Presumably that's what I thought going in. And I, I was very right. When this happened, I looked at my team and I went, Oh, well, this is no problem. Like I'll switch into DK. DK can't be burned. So that was a concern. Didn't want to get burned. And I'll just bulldoze like I was doing in PVP the week before I took bulldoze off to give him superpower. I had no way to hit that ghost, like, worth a damn at all. And then realized that Yetta takes super effective damage from fire. Toadsworth takes super effective damage from Shadow Ball. DK takes super effective damage, uh, uh, doesn't take super effective damage there, thank God, but isn't going to be able to do a whole lot. Uh, Ms. Rossetti takes super effective damage from fire. Fluffy B takes super effective damage from fire. And I went, I am an idiot. This is a very bad situation. In the end, we were actually able to lean into Slugger. We brought Slugger out, knowing that he is a fairly bulky boy and might be able to live one and then crunch and hope that the damage it was going to take on the switch-in was not going to be significant. We got real lucky. We switched Slugger in and the Fire Blast missed. And then we bit it in the face and it died, but we took a burn from flame body, which obviously really not ideal because I wanted to keep crunching everything that was going to come out. And that was real, real spooky. And what did come out was a go lurk. And I went, "Mm, I don't know if I want to stay in here. With this burn, like, and not do a whole lot of damage, I will go lean into my, my good, good friend, the, the giant jellyfish, who is fairly specially bulky and can do super effective damage against it, both with Shadow Ball and with Scald. As it turns out, we switch into a curse, which is something I did not expect that Golurk to be running. So Toadsworth was cursed and immediately went down, 
a significant portion of health, like down to what, 75%, I think it is, because it's like 25% per tick. Not great. But I was like, we can do, we can do this. Like, we're, we're going to do the thing. And I went ahead and blasted it. And I did a lot of damage to it. But guess what? Uh, it hit me real, real, real hard with Shadow Punch and brought Toadsworth down to almost no health. It died. Toadsworth didn't die immediately, at least. The Golurk died and then the curse went off and killed Toadsworth. And I went, my sweet Prinkles boy. Oh no, that's so bad. My big special wall was down. And then I uh, ended up having to deal with a Jellicent at the end. Just to add insult to injury, my Jellicent dies. Chantal sends out a Jellicent. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, seriously? That is not okay. We actually brought out Slugger to deal with that. And it was the best, you guys. I didn't have a lot of great options there. Again, Ms. Rossetti was going to take a bunch of damage from water. Fluffy Bee was hurt real bad from earlier in the fight. Like, there just was a lot of bad going on there. DK didn't want none of no scald or surf. And shed skin happened. Just Slugger was like, I burn no more. And we promptly killed the Jellicent, which made me super happy. It was a very epic moment for our good Scrafty. And so at this point, I'm feeling a little, a little on edge. I lost my special wall, which frankly, I was expecting to lean into to deal with the legendary. Don't got it no more. Got to keep going. And then we had to go do Marshall. And Marshall was scary for a lot of reasons. A lot of his Pokemon, he's a fighting type trainer. So a lot of his Pokemon know, obviously, fighting stab. Miserseti don't want none of that. Yetta don't want none of that. My ghost would have loved some fighting stab. Mmm. Don't got that ghost no more. A lot of them know rock moves. DK don't want no rock moves. Like, not super pleased. I thought I was going to wipe on Marshall going into it. I was like, I should have done this in a different order. I'm an idiot. As it turns out, Fluffy B, so good. Fluffy B came in and here, I have to say this because Jolly will kill me if I don't. I could not figure out like what I was going to do here because I was in a real bad spot. And my immediate thought, especially when people talking in the audience was to burn his throw and then set up on Fluffy B just so that I could get through it because nobody, nobody wanted to take any of the stab that was being thrown around or any of the covers that was going to be thrown around, throw can no guts. And I totally forgot that. As it turns out, it did have guts uh, as its ability. I made that fucking throw a monster and then promptly let Fluffy B get punched in the face extra hard for the next several turns until it got full restored and the burn went away. I'm a real dumb, you guys. But... Fluffy B dropped the leech seed, got the growths off, and worked its way through the full restores that Marshall had and proceeded to kill everything that he had, but not without almost dying several times. He has a mind shout that new U-turn, and it would hit me for 70% of my health. And on two occasions, it brought me down to 8? 8 HP, not 8% HP. 8 HP and then 3 
HP. And the only reason I lived was because I fucking giga drained whatever came in and gained a little bit of health back. It was so close every single goddamn time. Like, Whimsicott, you were amazing. Like, you're so good. He didn't die. We cleared Marshall and I was feeling real good about, about myself. And then we proceeded to head on into evidently the fucking palace. Team Plasma Palace. It's like a jump palace where you bring the kids. Except it's underneath the earth. Makes no sense to me. It's always been around the fucking Elite Four building. Also makes no sense to me. And they have super stairs. So like when it bursts from the ground, it's just like <laughs> stairs, 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 stairs. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I don't understand why all these stairs go to this place. It doesn't have to make sense. It was a cool cutscene. It was a cool cutscene. This is, I'll talk about it later. I run in there and I'm real spooked at this point because Fishman is dead. I don't want to fight anyone in this fucking building. So I'm running around and the ninjas keep showing up, which always triggers me real bad. Just get real, real angry. And they're like, our master wants to fight with you at full strength. Use this PC. I'm like, I can't. They're like, you can even rest in a bed if you'd like. I'm like, I fucking can't. Just leave me alone. <laughs> Just let me go on with my life. Eventually, you get to, like, the top and the sages try to stop you, which is amusing. The geriatric squad shows up. And then my favorite group of nincompoops shows up, i.e. The, the gym leader squad. And they're like, we will have a slappy fight with you. Go on, champion. And I said, good riddance. Goodbye. And... We ran in. <laughs> I love the way that you have condensed what is quite possibly the most epic narrative moment in all of Pokemon to, and then a bunch of gym leaders showed up and slapped some old people. Listen, <laughs> I, I'm going to explain this really quick. I don't want to get into a 30 minute rant about it, but there are, there are two scenarios and it can be either and either one is shitty. Okay. Either. The gym leaders did not do their job up to this point. There were actual crimes that happened throughout the game. Actual Pokemon were stolen. Property was stolen. Vandalism was done. The gym leaders were involved. They had these sages cornered and then did nothing. They let them go. And you and I talked about this on stream. And you pointed out, probably rightfully so, that these people were just cover for Getsis. They're fucking useless old people. But here's the thing. If there are useless old people who have no functional purpose, then it is not epic that the gym leaders show up to save you because they're not a threat. Narratively, they have to be a threat for that to matter. So either they're fucking bad at their jobs and should feel bad, or they're useless and showed up to take some credit they didn't fucking deserve and didn't actually help me. It's one or the other. I don't care which you pick, but I hate it either way. So I said, fuck you guys, I'm out of here, didn't want to do any of this, actually didn't even want to be Pokemon champion. Ha! Huh. I'm going to go hang out with my cool person I should have a restraining order against by now. Chugged up the stairs and was like, yeah, I'm jamming up here, everything's great, I got a legendary, I'm super cool. Uh, the cutscene was really awesome. I, For all my salt, there were things about the end of this game that I really, really liked. And the cutscenes were one of them. The legendaries looked fucking epic. But having... I was so confused. I showed up and he was like, we are going to fight now. And I'm like, okay, that's neat. 
And then Zekrom bursts through the fucking wall. And I'm like, why did you, <laughs> why did you do that? Like, that was completely unnecessary. You realize you live in this castle, right? Like, you sit right there. Now you have a hole in your home. Like, what is Zekrom, the fucking Kool-Aid man? Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> just in my face. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Reshiram shows up and is like, I choose you. It's the opposite Pokemon experience. The legendary shows up and says, I choose you. Throw a ball at me, bro. And I looked at him. I said, uh-uh, you a chicken. You know what I do to chickens? I eat them. And then I had Slugger beat him up for no good reason, which I think narratively is really funny because here's this legendary Pokemon who has chosen me. I am the chosen hero. And he's like, catch me. And together we shall prove our ideology to the world. And I said, fuck no. I beat the shit out of him. And then he looked at me and went, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, get over here and throw a goddamn ball at me. And I went, okay. And I threw a quick ball at him and it was caught. I I caught a legendary in a quick ball because they had to make it that way because you have to catch him to proceed. But it still felt real bad because it's a quick ball. But anyways, I now have a legendary Pokemon in my possession who I named Kuko after the chickens from fucking Zelda because he is a big fucking chicken. And I promptly sent him to the bank and said, I know that you want to be my friend. And I know that you let me beat you up for the last five minutes in a very stressful moment for me. And then you made me catch you. But I reject everything that you stand for. And this is stupid and I can do it on my own. And I couldn't. I promptly decided to fight N, and he said, I have a legendary Pokemon. I said, that's real cool. And he proceeded to fuck me up real, real bad. And without my jelly baby to lean into to, like, wall Caracosta, I slowly got whittled down by N's team and murdered. And my my run through Unova ended right there in a pool of blood in the, th- the throne room. As I always knew it would when he cornered me in a fucking Ferris wheel and said, I like you. And I went, oh, God, this is not going to turn out well for me. And it didn't. Listen, kids, if some creeper in a hat who won't show his face around corners you in a fucking Ferris wheel and locks the door, stop what you're doing. Find the nearest police officer and get a restraining order immediately. And stop doing whatever it is he wants you to do. When he says, come to my secret base to have a rendezvous, I promise I won't kill you. Don't. Don't do it. Don't fucking do it. But yeah, that was the end of Black and White for me. I didn't even get to see the end until uh, later, which I'm not going to spoil anything because other people are going to tell you what happened. But it's over. It's done. I made it to the end. I did not finish. I did not succeed. But I played it to the bitter last breath that I had with the legendary chicken digitized in my computer Shaking its head at me going, you were supposed to be the fucking chosen hero. What has happened? And then I don't know. I looked at him and said, in my opinion, the Jedi are evil. I, it was kind of like that moment. But yeah, then I let other people do their runs because I'm a nice person. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm real sorry that that's how it all shook out for you, mess. Although, honestly, with as much salt as you've thrown at this game, it's kind of only fitting that it gave you the finger right back at the very end. Now, for myself, just to kind of set the stage, it was a Saturday afternoon. 
normally no one streams on Saturday afternoon. Normally on Saturday afternoon, we're either getting ready to record this show or like it was that week. I am in the middle of preparing that week's BBR adventures because that show takes a lot of editing time. And that's usually the majority of my weekend. So it's Saturday afternoon. I am editing adventures. When Mess says, hey, I'm going to go do the Elite Four now because I'm done and ready and I'm just ready to be done with this. And I couldn't watch, but I sat there trying to get work done as I am having community members feed me updates in Discord so I know what is happening without knowing details that would spoil my own run. And so I was vicariously there when Mess breathed his last on the floor of that throne room. And I had I had my Sasuke moment. Where I said, I must avenge the Uchiha clan. I I must draw my sword and I must fight those who have taken my beloveds from me. And so I set out with anger in my heart, right then and there, to go avenge our boy Messer Engine. That wasn't the first time I streamed that week, though. So let's back up a, a little bit. I, I did do our normal Tuesday stream where we tackled Victory Road. Uh, but before we headed into Victory Road, I still had several outstanding encounters around the region. Some on water from before we got surf and some others that were in areas that were frozen over during the winter time when we passed through them, but were thawed now that in game it is spring. So I was like, well, let's go get our encounters let's see what we get but we actually got some pretty cool stuff we got a stun fisk that no one cares about and lived in the bank for the rest of his very short life we also picked up a basculin which is actually kind of neat but he's a very bad basculin so that sucks we picked up a palpitoad that we named zarelto that actually made for kind of a compelling option but we have a water starter and ultimately decided against benching our starter for another random water type because starters are good good boys and we like to use ours even if they're not the most optimal option and we also picked up an Excelgore, which or, or a Shelmet at the time, I should say, which Excelgore is kind of a neat bug type, and I, I love those good good buggos. But we already had a really fast bug pivot, so that also wasn't the most compelling option. Also went right to the bank, and at that point, we were ready to tackle Victory Road. Now. As Mess has said, this is a very difficult victory road. In my opinion, this is quite possibly the most challenging victory road in the series. And it's also definitely one of the most visually distinct. Like, I I love the Unova victory road. It is a mountain that you ascend by going through the cave complex. You travel on the outside of the mountain at times and slide down ridges and ledges to reach different cave complexes. It's just cool. And the trainers in there are fucking hard. We had already gotten our interior Victory Road encounter. That's where we got our good, good bug friend, Max Trex, who's been so good since we picked him up late in the series. But there's also rocky ground on the outside of Victory Road. And as we established at the very top of the series, if an area has very different encounters inside and outside, those are different encounters. So we had an exterior Victory Road encounter to pick up. This encounter had a 45% chance to be a heat more, which is a very bad, very, very bad fire type. We were expecting to get a heat more here. We walked onto the, the jagged, cracked earth, and we picked up a fracture. Our original franchise tag, our sweet, sweet axe face murder baby dragon, came back to us. And I had to say, I'm real sorry. I lost the faith. You just weren't ready to show up yet. I immediately chucked my Master Ball at it because I didn't want to risk a crit or shenanigans preventing me from getting our sweet, sweet murder dragon and booked it 
back to the PC as quickly as possible to see what we had gotten. It, it was a mold breaker fracture, which is the, the, the optimal ability, the one that you want. And it had a, a not enormously beneficial nature, but not a hindering one either. And its IVs were very, very bad. But I loved it, and I said, you know what, we're going to get through Victory Road first. But as soon as we're through Victory Road, you are coming into the party, and you are never leaving again, come hell or high water, because you came back to me, and I am going to use you. I named him Ambien, because he puts fuckers to sleep. So we made our way through Victory Road. And our strategy for Victory Road was the entire way to lead with Amon, who has been so, so good to us through this whole series, Kepra, our Galvantula. Leading with Kepra had a lot of really good utility because Kepra was going to outspeed literally everything it saw and could volt switch out of any danger. So lead with Kepra. If you can kill something, kill it. If you can't kill it, volt switch out. And that was really, really good. Like we had a lot of success in some really challenging trainer battles, just either nuking things with Thunderbolts, uh, occasionally with Signal Beam, or just volt switching out into something that could easily take a hit and finish it off. Until... We reached a particular trainer. The actually the same trainer with the Lilligant that almost spelled doom for Mess's run. That trainer doesn't lead with that Lilligant though. That trainer leads with a Behem or B E M. I I the weird little alien psychic guy, very slow, pretty bulky mon, but very slow. And I said, you know what? We have a very offensive bug type here. That's a psychic boy, Kepra Signal Beam. And Kepra signal beamed, and that Behem's health bar went down and down and down, and stopped at one, at the tiniest sliver of health imaginable. And that Behem clicked psychic, and it was a crit, and it took our sweet baby Kepra from full health to no health in a single hit. Just destroyed her. So I was very sad. Very remorseful that I didn't just volt switch out into the dark type crocodile, although... In hindsight, I'm kind of glad that I didn't, because we saw later that that BHM also had Energy Ball. So, maybe it was just destined to take a life. I did bring out the Dark-type Crocodile and said, Abilify Destroy, and Abilify Avenged her sweet, sweet bug friend. But Kepper was gone. There was no taking that back. And we kept chugging on. I put Lasix, our starter, our good, good mustachioed Samurai up front. Because I knew that somewhere in this mountain complex, there was a Darmanitan that ruined our good buddy Zach likes to ramble, ruined his whole life. And so we wanted to be prepared for that. So we're leading with Lasix. We make our way through the mountain complex until we reach a trainer who leads with a Gigalith. So we say, okay, we have our water type out front. It's at full health. It's in good shape. Lasix use, use waterfall and Lasix uses waterfall and crits does a murder upon this rock, but the rock is sturdy and lives with one health. The rock then proceeds to use Stone Edge, which also crits, and murders Lasix, from 100% health to no health, in a single hit. At that point, we were able to complete our Victory Road gauntlet with, with no further death, but that the damage had been done. I lost quite probably the best Mon on my team, and I lost my starter in that gauntlet and both of them, I mean, again, there are plays that I could have made that would have been better in hindsight, but I wasn't making garbage plays, right? These weren't weakened mon that I left out when I shouldn't have. They were both at full health. They both died to crits. So at least I can tell myself that. 
So at that point, we had to rebuild the team to decide what exactly we were bringing in for the Elite Four. And ultimately, the six that we decided to bring in for our gauntlet consisted, of course, of Max Trex, who is our Durant and our franchise tag. And even if we wanted to put Max Trex back in the PC, nobody puts Baby in a corner. Uh, and Max Trex is required to come with us. There is no backing out of that. We also decided to bring Ambien, our new and very, very threatening dragon friend who is soon to be a Haxorus. Axe face murder baby. Again, told him when we caught him, you were, you were waiting for me. I'm never going to leave your side. Put him right on the team. Never looked back. We decided to bring Allegra, our Lilligant, who's been so, so good through a lot of the series. And actually, we decided we were going to lean into Allegra a little bit through our Elite Four gauntlet. But we'll we'll get there. We decided to bring Zoloft, our Cofagragus, our big, bulky, fat ghost who has been so good on the series. You know, I've, I've sang the praise in varying weeks for Mon, like Allegra, and like Kepra and Max Trex, and even our other good, good grass type, Claritin, the, the Sawsbuck. But for the, this entire series, since week, what, three? Zoloft has been on the squad and has put in substantial work, literally from the week that we caught him. Has been a phenomenal Mon, is an amazing defensive switch in. There was no way we were taking on our penultimate challenge without him. That left us with two slots, and we actually decided to bring two more newcomers to the team. So three of the six we brought into the Elite Four were caught this week, which is kind of wild. We brought our, our Palpitoad, soon to be a Seismitoad, Zarelto. Specifically, having a good bulky water ground type gave us answers for a couple of things that we knew we were going to have to face, which was really, really important. We also decided to bring our, our Shelmet, soon to be an Excelgor, Finnergan. And what we were hoping to accomplish with Excelgor is Excelgor is blistering fast and gets U-turned by level up. So even though we lost our electric type in, in Kepra, which was real, real sad and unfortunate, we could maintain that fast pivot action, which could be potentially useful if things start to die. And, and more importantly, is going to be extremely useful in PvP at the end. You know, for the most part, we were building for the Elite Four. Like, we didn't want to think too hard about PvP because we were playing from ahead. We didn't have to think too hard about PvP at the end. We just had to survive. But I felt like Finnergan gave us a lot of value in both situations and, and it was worth bringing him for pvp because he was still valuable in pve so that was the team we had a lot of training to do we had to ev train three of those mon and then level them all up and so we we fit an extra stream in that week and we got a whole lot of work done until we reached our fateful saturday afternoon and messer engine bit the big one and we decided that we were going to rush in for great justice for our good good friend and we hurriedly got online, we ground Armand to level them up until we were finally ready to face our own boss gauntlet. And ultimately, I just decided to tackle the Elite Four in order of their rooms left to right. I felt like I had pretty good plans for all of them. I didn't really need to prioritize any one given type. So we started with Chantal, the ghost type specialist. And my strategy for Chantal was to lead with Allegra, our Lilligant. We knew that there was a very good chance that Chantal was going to lead with her Cofagragus, which she did. And reasonably, the only thing that Cofagragus could do to Allegra is toxic it. That was really threatening. It could burn me, but I'm not a physical attacker. I'm not really scared of your burn. Uh, and I can put you to sleep and set up on you with Quiver Dance. And so that was the plan. 
We gave Allegra a, pe- a Pecha Berry in case that Cathagragus was running toxic. We led with her. We put the Cathagragus to sleep and we quivered against up to full. Uh, it did get a move off and it actually clicked Will-O-Wisp, which was really, really good for me because now that I'm burned, even you can't even use Toxic multiple times to get through the berry. I'm just burned now, which is fine. So we quiver dance up to full and we giga drained our way through Chantal's team. Easy peasy, rice and cheesy. No deaths, no problems. Uh, a lot of EXP and, and clapping to be had. Very solid start. The next... Elite Four member up was Grimsley, the dark type specialist. And Grimsley was, of the Elite Four trainers, I think easily the scariest for me. Because even though he's a dark type specialist, he has a lot of diverse like subtypings on his team that, that make him a really challenging fight. Ultimately, what I decided I was going to do is I taught Ambien, our Haxorus, Brick Break. And I was going to try to set up a Dragon Dance or ideally two on the Scrafty that leads. Um, Scrafty's not always the most offensively threatening Mon. And our our Haxorus had a defense boosting nature and really good IVs and HP and defense. So it's like, you know, you're kind of fat for an offensive Dragon. Like maybe we can take a hit or two and Dragon Dance up. So we Dragon Danced. And we took about a third of our HP. And we were like, okay, well, this isn't going to be a great trade. Let's just go ahead and hit it and see how much we do. We clicked Brick Break, and we took another third. And and it only did about 80% to that Scrafty. And we said, well, shit, this isn't going to be sustainable. Even if we KO the, the Scrafty right here, more Mon are going to come in. And at this low a health, we can't really justify staying in. So I brought out Max Trex, our, our Durant, right as Grimsley full restored that Scrafty, which was real, real annoying. Uh, but we managed to X-Scissor it down without taking too much damage because Max Trex is a pretty physically bulky boy. The next thing that came out, however, was very threatening to Max Trex. The next thing that came out was the Crocodile, which, you know, could potentially have Stab Earthquake, and that would hit... Max Trex neutrally, which is not super great. It also has Intimidate, so it intimidated him on the switch end, which is also very not great. Um, so I made the decision to switch out, and we brought out our fat, fat frog friend, Zarelto. And we started clicking Drain Punch, which in hindsight I think was probably a mistake. It's not a stab move, so it wasn't doing a ton of damage. And ultimately, Zarelto wound up eating its Citrus Berry, which I think might matter later, because we only ever got one Citrus Berry in this whole run. So eating it during Grimsley was not ideal. But we managed to KO the Crocodile. The Bisharp came out next, and we managed to two-hit KO it with Drain Punch as well with Zarelto, so that was looking real, real good. The last Pokemon that come at, came out was Grimsley's Lipard, and at that point, Zarelto didn't have an amazing health pool, so we decided to just switch back into Max Trex, and we KO'd it with Excisor. So that actually went real, real well at that point. But yeah, through the through the Scrafty and the Crocodile, Grimsley was actually a very threatening opponent and made us do more switching than I think any of the Elite Four did uh, otherwise. Our next Elite Four matchup was Caitlyn, the psychic type, who, yes, it is very, very weird that she's just sleeping in a bed until you show up. Although, I didn't know this because I've never done post-game and Gen 4 games, but it was pointed out to me by our good buddy Zach that Caitlyn is actually one of the frontier brains in Gen 4, but she never actually battles you herself. She just directs her butler, too. So that's kind of interesting and neat. But she is, of course, a psychic type specialist, and I kind of yolo would that fight a little bit. I said, you know what? 
Something on her team is going to have fire. If that fire touches Max Trex, he is a very dead bug. Fuck it, we're leading with Max Trex, and we're just going to click X-Scissor every turn, and hope that we just kill everything before it can kill us. And for the most part, we did. Max Trex went first every turn, it hit every turn, it one-hit KO'd every turn, until the last one, which was her Musharna, and that Musharna didn't have dick to hit Max Trex with. So it was totally fine. Max Trex just ran through her team, Three Elite Four members down, no deaths. Very, very good thus far. The final member of this Elite Four was Marshall, the fighting type specialist. And that was actually kind of a threatening fight because unlike our good boy Messer Engine, I knew that several of the Pokemon that Marshall was bringing had the possibility to know Guts, which means that I couldn't just lean into my preferred strategy, which is lead with the Cathagragus, burn everything, and then slowly whittle it down with Shadow Balls. Couldn't really do that effectively. But I did lead with the Cathagragus anyway, and I really lucked out because the very first thing Marshall did with his throw that is his lead Pokemon, and again, does genuinely have guts, is it used a contact move, and it got rid of its own guts in favor of Mummy. So I was like, oh, what luck. This is fantastic. And I burned that throw. I then switched into Abilify Arhaxorus and Dragon Danced twice while that throw kind of impotently flailed its arms at me because it wasn't hitting for dick uh, without that guts when it's burned. It did use a full restore, but really, really key, really, really key, really, really important. We gave Abilify the Shell Belt to get some healing as it went, and that was super fucking important in this fight. We also gave Abilify Aerial Ace, and so Aerial Ace is just what we were clicking against these fighting-type Pokemon. It took quite a bit of damage on the setup, but it was able to recover essentially all of it by KOing the throw, by bringing the Sock down to one health twice because of full restores and sturdy, and then out came the Conkeldur. Even after two Dragon Dances, Aerial Ace from our Haxorus was not enough to one-hit KO that Conkeldur. Conkeldur used Hammer Arm and did about 75% of our health in a single hit. So without that Shell Bell healing, we would have had a very dead dragon on our hands. But the Shell Bell did heal. We made it through just fine. We murdered the, the Mind Shao and we claimed our fourth Elite Four victory with no deaths. So, so far, so good. We are well on our way to avenging our dear sweet boy Messer Engine. We made our way into the champion's chamber and, of course, witnessed the aftermath of In beating Alder like a redheaded stepchild. Poor Alder. He's such a cool champion and he gets so dicked by the narrative here. And then the the castle, the palace of Team Plasma rises from the earth to encompass the Pokemon League. Again, I'll be the first one to admit that does not make literally any sense, but it looks cool as fuck. And so I'm willing to give it a pass. It's a very neat moment. It's a very great cutscene. You go into the palace and you're confronted by the seven sages and the gym leaders all show up to engage them and to send you onward. And I think, personally, this is one of the coolest narrative moments in Pokemon. One of the things that I love about Black and White is that there are adult characters who do things, who don't just sit sequestered in their lab or in their gyms and never, ever come out and never offer any help to this child who's taking on massive criminal organizations I understand that the fact that they do do things makes the places where they are frankly incompetent uh, a, a little bit more glaring, but it's better than them not even trying for me personally. I know it's not for mess. That's just, we're different people, guys. But I, I appreciate the fact that they gave enough of a shit to try. 
I also think that it's really cool that they didn't know that this was going to happen, that, that Bianca actually sought them all out and said, hey, we know where Team Plasma's going. Go help my friend. That, I think, is a really cool payoff for her character. But the gym leaders engage the Seven Sages. They send you onward, and you get to explore the Plasma Palace. I wish that you had done more of this mess. I understand your logic for not, but I think that the Plasma Palace is really, really neat. Talking to some of those Plasma Grunts, getting their stories and things. I also think that it's super cool that there's a lot of Team Plasma's plan that you don't find out until here, because Getsus isn't the type of villain who just monologues all his plans at you to give you plenty of time to stop them. Team Plasma has hacked the PC system. They're not counting on everyone voluntarily releasing their Pokemon. They're just going to fucking take them. But they never talked to you about that before because then you might have stopped them. Clearly not. (laughs) I think that that's really cool. I also think that it's really cool that you get to explore In's childhood bedroom, which is, again, incredibly childlike and kind of gives a little bit of insight into the very specific way that he was raised to be this incredibly earnest tool, essentially, for his father, which is... Again, I think very, very cool and subtle in a way that Pokemon storytelling just generally isn't, right? But yeah, I really like that place a lot. I liked being able to poke my nose around and and just look at everything again before ultimately we made our way to In's throne room. Uh, And everything here was, of course, the same as it was for Mess, only inverted. In has Reshiram, Zekrom comes to rise to that challenge. And I, I, again... I think that it's really cool narratively that In is extremely and genuinely disappointed when you show up without Zekrom. He's just like, I, I thought that you were the one. Like, I, I genuinely like and respect you. We disagree, but I thought that if anyone was going to rise to challenge my convictions, it was going to be you. But clearly, you aren't what I thought you were. Let's finish this. And then Zekrom shows up and manifests. And it's a really, really cool moment. We also murdered our our legendary before catching it because we wanted those sweet, sweet points. We leaned into Zarelto, the Seismitoad, for that. And real talk in hindsight, guys, I think that bringing Zarelto was a mistake in hindsight. Very, very fat, not super offensive, and was taking too much damage for that slow and steady pace to really work. Ultimately, we had to switch out of Zarelto before we KO'd the dragon and bring in... Zoloft Archifagragus to finish the job, which was not a great sign as we were also counting on Zarelto to take care of Inn's Reshiram for us. But Kesarasara, whatever will be, will be. So we managed to KO Zekrom. We also managed to catch it in a single throw of a quick ball and then shove it in the bank forever. Sorry, legendary dragon friend. It is not meant to be. And then we were challenged by the ascendant hero king in to battle for the supremacy of our ideals which again super fucking cool in leads with his level 52 reshiram which is horribly threatening it's honestly more threatening than a level 52 zekrom if we're being real because reshiram is a better pokemon but that's what i signed up for when i took white version again i led with zarelto our frog got I think three total bulldozes off on the Reshiram, which was real, real good. That Reshiram knew Hyper Beam, though. I was not counting on a Hyper Beam off of that monster, and that Hyper Beam obliterated our poor, poor frog friend. Rest in peace, Dorelto. You weren't on the team very long, but you did what we needed you to do. So I decided to go ahead and take a, a risk and bring out Ambien, our Haxorus. And 
I knew that it had a recharge turn from that hyper beam. I decided to go ahead and dragon dance. So Reshiram recharged. I dragon danced. The following turn in used a full restore. I clicked dragon claw and was able to nuke that Reshiram to nothing with a plus one dragon claw. So that worked real well. It allowed me to get a plus one Haxorus in front of N's team, which would not have happened otherwise. So that was fantastic. And at that point, I I ran through them pretty efficiently with that Haxorus. I just clicked the appropriate move and just cut through his team. So Zarelto wasn't able to do it herself but she gave us the opening that we needed to run on through which was appreciated finally getsis comes on the scene and again there's a very emotional scene there where he just tears in apart emotionally for being just an incredible disappointment of a king and a son and a tool because at this point at this point, the mask is off. Getsis is who he is, and he makes it very, very clear that N was a tool to, to, from the start to allow him to gain power, and that he's a clearly a broken and flawed tool if he couldn't even beat a child for him. And Getsis challenges you to battle himself, and Getsis is so threatening, you guys. Again... In my opinion, probably the single hardest boss fight in Pokemon. I know that there's a lot of weight given there to to Cynthia in Platinum. Uh, I didn't get to do that one in our series. I'll get back to it eventually, I'm sure. But Getsis is so fucking hard. Getsis also leads with a Cathagragus, and our plan for Getsis was the same as our plan for Chantal. Lead Allegra against that Cathagragus, put it to sleep, set up Quiver Dance, sweep. That was the plan. Problem is, they did not give us a chance to alter our team between the end fight and the Getsis fight, and we, of necessity, we led with Zarelto against N, which means we were leading with a dead Pokemon. Even if we wanted to just stay in and do some damage before we switched out, we couldn't. We were required by the rules to immediately hard swap out from the dead frog. So we switched, switched into Allegra, and this time, the Cathagragus did no Toxic and clicked it. So we ate our berry, we put it to sleep, we quiver danced twice, and then it woke up and toxic again. This time, no berry. We are well and truly toxic. Shit. It also is apparently programmed to toxic stall you, because at that point it was using protect every other turn to rack up toxic damage, which is fantastic. We were able to get ourselves up to plus four. I actually, I I anticipated it. I said, you know what? If it's running toxic, it's probably running protect. I'm going to quiver dance this turn. And I was right. So I felt pretty fucking good about that. We Giga Drain the Cathagragus to death. The Hydrogen came out. And in what is quite possibly the most important turn of this fight, I don't think we would have lost the fight without this, but it definitely mattered. We Giga Drain the Hydrogen. At plus four, that was for about 65, 70% of its health. It used Fire Blast and it missed. As low as our health was from being toxic, that Fire Blast would have killed Allegra. We knew that going in, but our 100%, our only play was just to do as much damage as we could before we went down. A second Giga Drain finished off the Hydrogen. And then, for whatever reason, Getsis decided to give me a gift and send out his own Seismitoad, Quad Week to Grass, against my plus four Lilligant. So I ate it, <laughs> and got some very much needed health. And at that point, it became very clear that what I needed was to get Allegra out of there, because she had done everything she could do, 
and the toxic was going to kill her in one more turn. It was time for her to get out. So the Bufalant came out and we brought out our Cofagragus. We brought out our Zoloft and we burned it. And even burned, that thing is a fucking monster. It hits so fucking hard. Uh, we rested to get our health back. And I think ultimately we switched into Max Trex and we X scissored it and we KO'd it, but it had picked up mummy from the Cofagragus. So we picked up mummy and that wound up mattering a whole lot. Gets final Pokemon was his Bisharp. We knew that that thing is going to hit disgustingly hard. We knew that switching out on it is just asking for something to die. We clicked X Scissor on Max Trex. Without Hustle boosting its damage, it only did about a third of that Bisharp's health. And the Bisharp just murdered the fuck out of it with a Night Slash. Rest in peace, our sweet, sweet aunt. You did your job. As a final fuck you to Getsis, we brought out Finnergan, our new baby Excelgore, holding the Bug Gem, and we clicked Bug Buzz. And we erased that Bisharp from the face of existence. And with that click, our our series was complete. Getsis was down. We we watched our final guts cutscenes. We watched Getsis be taken into custody and in fly off with his Reshiram to discover his purpose now that he knows that his purpose does not lie with his piece of shit psychotic Nazi dad. And we watched the credits roll. We had done it. We had finished the series. We had banished the doof hat. And we had avenged the Uchiha, the Uchiha family. We had avenged our sweet boy Messer Engine. And that was the end for me. We weren't sure that was going to be the end at that point. We were actually actively debating what we were going to do, assuming that Celeste made it through, if we were going to play it out just the two of us, if we were going to call the series there. But ultimately, we decided to make that decision after Celeste played. So Celeste, hun, why don't you tell us about your gameplay? So... This is already going a bit long, and we've already talked about a lot of the highlights, so I'm going to just go over my own highlights that haven't been touched yet. So, during the week, we had to fight Sharon, and Sharon went pretty easily until his last two Pokemon. I had kept my Chandler out, killed his second last Pokemon, out comes his Light Party. And I had a Chandler facing that. It's super fast, and I don't know if I'm going to outspeed it. I don't know if it has Pursuit. Yeah, so I make the decision to stay in and try to kill it, and it just basically erases my Chandler from existence, which really sucked because Spark was very important for the Elite Four, <laughs> so that was painful. After that, we made our way through getting our encounters and getting through Victory Road. We caught a Vullaby, which unfortunately didn't evolve that week, so it's it was really good. All of its IVs were perfect, pretty much. Unfortunately, we couldn't use it because it didn't evolve, so it went and sat in our PC. We go inside of Victory Road, and we decided to catch a Excadrill just to not risk losing an encounter. We managed to catch that pretty easily, and we ran into the first trainer, uh, Ace Trainer uh, Shanta. Unfortunately, we got through its Whimsicott pretty easy with our Naramaka. I didn't want to switch when it Zipstrika came out. And, as always, the Zibtreka Inquisition comes, and I don't expect it. It crits me, and we lost our other fire Pokemon. Our, it wasn't Darmok, Darmanitan, but you know what I mean. So, Magma died, which was not good. 
I now did not have a fire Pokemon at all. So we spent some time training up our Escadrille, and we went and f- tried to get our last encounter. Ended up being that fire anteater. We ran from it by accident because I'm already shook for the week and just basically <laughs> not feeling well about my uh, chances through getting just through Victory Road because all the trainers seem to be crazy. I kind of choked a bit during Victory Road and the Elite Four, to be honest. We got through Victory Road and we ended that there. After I'd found out that Jolly and Mez had gone, I decided to stream on Sunday, finish up my prep and try the Elite Four. I didn't check which Elite Four member showed up where on the sign, and I didn't look up anything. So I ended up going against the hardest Elite Four member for my team, which was freaking Chantal and their Chandler. So what happened in that fight is I let off Python. I killed their Cofagoras by just using Leech Seed. It burned Python, which wasn't ideal, but... We were able to stall it out and get through it. As soon as that dies, Chandler comes out. I decided to switch into my dragon. You know, it's not bulky, but it resists fire. It gets knocked down to a third health. And I'm like, nope, it couldn't survive. So I switch into Wedge. And I have to make a really hard decision. Wedge takes most of his health on that hit. I either have to switch out and try to survive, which isn't going to happen. I don't have many Pokemon to survive (laughs) Just a fire blast. So I sacrificed my franchise tag, my good, good doggo, to paralyze that Chandler so that we could live through this and fight again another day. It paralyzes Chandler. It takes the fire blast. It goes down. I throw out Powerhouse, who I now know I'll speed it, so I can rely on Sturdy to live one hit. I use frickin' Bulldoze, kill it, and then... I did have to utilize Sturdy to do that. I didn't kill it in one hit with that bulldoze. And once that was down, out comes Goldark. I just decided to switch into Spooky Sea and burn it. And then after it was burned, we switched into Tinker, our Excadrill, and killed that golem with no issue. And then the scary thing comes out. It was Jellicent. I had no idea if Tinker could one-shot it, but I didn't want to switch. My team was already really broken. I just... Went for that stab, Earthquake, with the ground gem, and it one-shot the Jellicent. So first Elite Four member down, we lose one. It was a roller coaster of a fight. That fight was crazy. The next fight we go into, I walk into Grimsley's room. I have no idea whose it is. I can't tell what room it is. I should have known it was dark, but I didn't. And so I'm panicking. And I end up leading with Tinker, my Excadrill versus Crafty, which isn't ideal. But I try to use um, X-Scissor to kill it. It doesn't work. I take a Brick Break. Somehow, Tinker lives through it, which then allows me to switch into my Cofagoras, burn the freaking... Why am I forgetting names of Pokemon? It's not Crocodile, but whatever the fully evolved version of Crocodile is. No, that is Crocodile. That is it. I'm drawing a blank. There's just a lot to remember right now. Burn through that, and we switch into Powerhouse. And Powerhouse just punches his way through the rest of the Dark Team. Then comes Caitlyn and her weird bed that she gets out of for some reason. It was really cool. Walk up, and then bed. What? Okay, whatever. I know we touched upon that, but it was really confusing. And I led Tinker not thinking about Focus Blast, because Ridiculous learns it. But his unevolved forms don't, and so I wasn't. it was not on my radar. I wasn't thinking about it. I should have thought of it. 
that Focus Blast one-shots Tinker. And then we're working through the other Pokemon. When we get to Sigilyph, we ha- I try to use Hacks to get through it, and Hacks gets killed. And then we switch into Powerhouse to try to deal with Gothitelle, and uh, we weren't able to one-shot the Gothitelle, so it gets through the Sturdy and kills Powerhouse. And so we're down to two Pokemon for Marshall, which is a very threatening <laughs> fighting gym elite for Ember. It's like, ugh. What happened is I just decided to set up Python versus Throw and try my best. And Python did work in this fight. He was able to basically just tank Throw the entire time, set up Coil to max defense and attack, get through everything except the Conquador, and then threw Leech Seed on Conquador. And I'm about to hit it, and it decides to hammer arm, and it crits, and Python goes down. We are down to Cavagoras only. Our good, good Spooky C. We finish off the Conquador, and that's... yeah. (laughs) We got through the Elite Four, but we have more, and I can't replace my team members. So we see N in his castle who him and Getsus stole Figaro from Edgar somehow, that burying castle in Final Fantasy VI that sinks into the sand and then sinks back and goes back up. They either stole the technology or stole the, ca- stole the castle. Who knows? I don't understand, but it works. And then as we get in there, uh, we find out Bianca sent broken English letters to the gym leaders. It, I, I can only imagine it says, fight happening, come now, with a drawing of the castle or something. I have no idea. <laughs> And so I just kind of rushed through the castle to get to N. And before N, we have to fight Reshiram. I have a ghost. The ghost can heal itself once with a Resto Chesto and could try to toxic call. So that's what I do. I toxic it. I protect and try to protect again. I think I rest and then it's just over. And the dragon kills Spooky C and I white. White out. Just completely gone. And that was my run, and the first time ever I'm getting the Doof Hat, because I was one step behind Mezzer Engine. Yeah, I, again, I'm real, real sorry, guys, that the end of that ended so spooky. Again, something that we were pretty, like, forward-facing about with you guys is that we were coming into black and white with our hardest rule set to date, uh, and that that wasn't just words, and that it was going to be the most hard at the very, very end of the game. Uh, and it was, and I I don't think that was the only factor in the way that the end went for you guys. Like, again, it's a very threatening gauntlet just in general on its own rights, uh, but I definitely don't think that being uh, blindsided by certain things helped either. And that's something that we'll consider in our future rule sets and moving forward and try to find that sweet spot where it's real, real threatening without being just a sad party. You know, like we wiped and that's rough, but it was exciting. Oh, it was super exciting. It was really exciting. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. And I rewatched my VOD before we recorded this. I looked happy the entire time. I wasn't even like mad. Like it had... I think all of our runs to a certain extent through there, regardless of how they ended, uh, had a lot of emotional highs and lows. Like it was, it was really good Nuzlocke content. And that's, that's all we can really hope that it'll be right. If winning mm-hmm. is a foregone conclusion, it's not interesting. So I'm not displeased with how I played. Like I could have made some different team comp decisions and would have if I had like known some things, but that's, why we set 
the rule set that we did. Like, I think it was fine. I completely agree with Mez. And honestly, there were some really, really good highs. Like, oh, I, I completely forgot to talk about the freaking Lilligant that almost killed us all. <laughs> that was a good high of me shifting my team around like an idiot and basically would have died if it wasn't for poor AI choices. Yeah, Celeste set that Lilligant up to sweep her entire team at, like, plus five from Quiver Dance, and it only didn't because it decided to click nothing but Teeter Dance until it was dead. It was it was very fortunate. But that one high of my starter, who I was lukewarm on the entire game, and him just coming in and like, oh, what, fighting types? Whatever, I'm just going to sit here and coil and then beat the crap out of them. Oh, it was such an epic moment, even if he got crit to death at the end. It was just... Everything compiling, all the luck that I'd had throughout the series, just going south onto him. I hear you. Like, Fluffy B going down to eight, and then going back up, and then going down to three. Like, people cheering in the chat. It was it was nuts. We had a good turnout, too, because we did it on the weekend. Mm-hmm. In the, the afternoon slash uh, evening. So that was that was real cool. Series 5 was real good. I, I think that regardless regardless of the opinions that some of us may hold for Black and White as games, our Series 5 was real good. Yeah, and I'll say this. I'm going to be trying to do the Elite Four on weekends no matter what on any of our series because that seemed like a lot of fun. Yeah, I had you up on the big TV. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, obviously, that's just our, our gameplay, and we've still got a lot of other stuff that we like to do at the end of the series. Uh, looking back at the games, looking back at our series, our teams... All that good stuff. We have a lot of dead to mourn and we have your emails, but ultimately I don't want those things to feel rushed. And this episode is already running kind of long. So I think what we're going to do instead is we're just going to go ahead and, and leave it here for tonight. We will be back for our next episode of main series, Blastburn radio uh, episode 61 in two weeks. And we'll kind of do our series five wrap then. Uh, and then we'll be back in two weeks. Hence, Sunday, February 17th is when we'll be kicking off Series 6 and Heart Gold Soul Silver. So get hyped for that, guys. We're going home. We're going home to Johto. That's going to be real exciting. But you can look forward to our Series 5 finale, including all of your emails and all of our thoughts and feelings on Black and White and on our Black and White series uh, next time. Yeah, I mean, realistically, because we kind of ended early, we're just still on the same schedule. Actually, we're still a little bit ahead because there would have been two more weeks of Series 5. Oh, that's right. Because of the crazy 25 level increase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're still you're still getting to, to Johto one whole cycle early. So look forward to that. Um, now, you know, we're technically on break in between. There's no Nuzlocke series. Uh, so our hosts may or may not stream at their usual times and channels. I know that I intend to be streaming because my Nuzlocke didn't end. And I promised you guys a post game and I intended to deliver. Uh, so you can definitely expect that for me at least on Tuesday. Hopefully on other days over on my channel at twitch.tv slash jollybynature. Uh, Mess Celeste, do you know offhand if you have any intention of streaming? before the next episode i'm not this weekend i'm getting hit with like two feet of snow right now you guys i'm gonna be shoveling all day tomorrow i do not want to shovel all day tomorrow and then come down and sit down and have to stream so sorry main main winners win this round but that doesn't mean i won't be back the weekend after okay how about you celeste do you have any intentions to stream this week uh i'll be streaming sporadically on I guess random different games whenever I can fit it in. Um, I'll be pretty busy of other things, so I don't want to guarantee any certain times. 
but there'll definitely be streams in those four weeks before our uh, main series again. Well, awesome. So be sure to follow Celeste at twitch.tv slash Celeste Lost so you get those go live notifications and know when she's on. Now, as always, guys, we do want to hear from you. We want your emails, although might be worth bearing in mind that for our our Series 6 intro, I think we're probably not going to read any emails on that episode just because we got a lot of thoughts and feelings about Johto, you guys, and that's probably going to be another long one. So just don't be upset or offended if you write in and we don't read it on that episode. We're probably just not for reasons of time. Uh, but we do always want to hear from you. And even when we can't read your emails on air, we do always read them and we always appreciate them. Uh, you can send those emails to us at blastburnradio at gmail.com or get at the show on Twitter, Facebook, social media, Discord, where, wherever you find us. Uh, and as always, you can follow me personally at BBR Jolly on Twitter. I'm at Celeste Lost. And I'm at Messer Engine. And as always, don't forget to check out Mythic Portal Games for all of your online role-playing assets. If you enjoy yourself a Dungeons and or Dragons or a Pathfinder or a Pokemon World Tour. Uh, not, not Pokemon World Tour, that's a podcast. Uh, Pokemon Tabletop United. You can find assets that'll be great and spice up your campaign for Roll20 or Astral VTT. Or even to print out and use in the meat space because... Good art is good art, even when it's not digital. And as always, supporting Tanner supports the show, and we really appreciate that. And of course, as always, don't forget to follow the show at Blastburn Radio on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date on what all of our hosts are doing around the web. I do want to thank everyone for joining us today. I want to give a very special thank you, as always, to my co-hosts, Messer Engine and Celeste. For Blastburn Radio, I am Jolly by Nature. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. You'll get your dose of salt next time, folks. Get ready. Last Burn Radio is a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Jolly by Nature, Celeste the Lost, and Messer Engine. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy, off the OC Remix album, The Missing No Tracks. Check out this great album at missingno.ocremix.org. Battle music in today's episode provided by Glitch X City. Check out all her work on YouTube or SoundCloud at Glitch X City. Closing music in today's episode is A Lullaby for Trains, off the Pokemon Black and White Super Music Collection, available on iTunes. Design work and stream assets provided by Rachel Mondragon. Check out her other work or contact her for commissions on Twitter at Rachichu. Blastburn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content. Music